Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. What's up, Wayfinders? Remington Begg from Impulse Creative here, and I've got my pal, George B. Thomas. How are you doing, George? Dude, I am doing awesome. I Hey, it's Friday. It is. And it's ahead, and we've got an amazing guest. We're going to talk about something that is, like, foreign to me, so I'm super excited. Yeah, so this week's episode is all about the why, the how, the who of leveraging accounting to support growth and better business decisions, aka knowing your numbers for your business. Our special guest for this week's journey is none other than Brad Ebenhoe from Accountfully. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Remington and George. I really appreciate the invite and look forward to uh, trying to have a fun conversation about numbers and accounting on a Friday afternoon. So we'll see how it goes. I'm curious, fun and accounting. I don't know before this interview if those were words that I would have collided together, but I'm hoping after this interview it is. Brad, I'm super excited because the first section we're going to go into is what's called navigational instruments. And just like those people who had to sail across the seas with their compass and their little things and trinkets and stars. Just kidding. Anyway, Brad, I'm curious, are there tools when a, a business owner or or the employee who might be in charge, which I'm sure we're going to get into that later, is looking at knowing their numbers better? Are there a set of tools that people should really be focused in on? Yeah, it's actually, um, there's, there's in, I guess, 2018, the last couple of years with the advent of um, software as a service uh, applications, the number of tools that exist are tremendous in terms of the amount that used to not exist or versus the amount that didn't exist five years ago. So, and those tools leverage AI, automation, et cetera, um, are cloud-based. So those tools are even more useful for people as long as they know how to use them and actually takes a lot less time for them to, you know, kind of leverage those systems. Just for us, when we use our clients, I think the number one thing you need to do just as a business owner at the end of the day is, you know, understand what your in inflows are your revenues and understand what your outflows are your expenses right um tools that can easily help you manage those are you know like uh cloud-based accounting systems quickbooks online which is what we use for all of our clients there's zero which is xero which is very similar but there's a ton of other ones that exist out there when talking about them the biggest thing is ensuring that you set them up properly for success you leverage their technology of connecting to bank feeds credit cards feeds so the actual inflows outflows that hit all those accounts actually are able to be categorized much quicker um, and leverage the technology to kind of identify where they should go at the end of the day kind of within there the one thing i would say for business owners that can help them just track the tools or using it is number one is this it kind of blows my mind with some of our clients that come our way they don't like invoicing their customers or some of them don't and don't like following up on it because it's a tough conversation to have in terms of understanding your numbers, the whole point you're in business is to make money. And the only way you can make money is by sending an invoice or a sales receipt or something to a customer, run their card, get a check from them, and ensure that it's getting deposited in your account and you're following up on those items. 
the accounting system isn't very good if you don't actually do that aspect, right? Like pushing bill payments and things like that, who gives a shit? But actually invoicing your customers and collecting on that money is a huge attribute of that. You know, a couple other things to think about in terms of other software that can help you, you know, understand your business or track, you know, tools or things like that. Um, you know, various spreadsheets you can use and, and, and leverage them if you'd like to, you know, Expensify or expense reimbursement systems for credit cards, for, you know, if you have employee cards for your team members. If you are a service-based company like Accountfully is, like Impulse Creative is, a time tracking software so you can understand how much time you're spending on various tasks because that time is your inventory um, as that service-based company, right? At the end of the day, I guess what I'm saying here is there is a ton of software as a service systems that exist that literally cost you 10, 20, 30 bucks a month. Easily to, um, e- easy to understand, easy to set up and easy to use. They share data between each other so you can have somebody enter in, uh, you know, if you're an inventory based company that's selling on your website on Shopify, a customer, you know, goes in and buys a t-shirt for 50 bucks, puts their credit card, it gets paid. So the customer enters the information. It then syncs to your inventory management system. It then syncs to your QuickBooks, your, your, your financial accounting system. It increases revenue and it goes ahead and deposits that money in the bank account all automatically based upon if you set it up right and have the, the customer enter the data in. So just understanding that the systems that exist, which I'm sure you guys utilize in your, in, in the marketing business, like you can set them up right and it create data. I mean, it, it creates so much more efficiencies and then the data and the information that exists can help you with kind of, you know, the, the question at hand in terms of understanding your business and understanding your numbers. And Brad, I started out on purpose saying like, this is foreign to me. So I may ask some questions that the viewers or listeners or even yourself are like, how is this dude like in visit? Like, how does he do this? You so, should see the questions that Remington asked kind of month over month. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. So, so here's my thing. A couple of things. One, you started to talk about people having an issue with invoicing, which inherently led my mind to, well, is there a way that you can invoice better so that it doesn't feel so awkward for some folks? That's one. And then maybe follow that up with, and this is because I'm more of a visual type person come from like the design background, um, even with marketing, love to design workflows in a very visual way. So when you're talking about paying attention to these numbers and you mentioned things like QuickBooks online and Xero, um, is there a better way or is there even just a way to visualize the numbers? So it's better invoicing, visualizing numbers. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, better invoicing. Number one is if you are a service-based company and let's say that you have um, – retainers or monthly fixed fee, set them up on in your system to automatically create and send to your customers 10 days before the due date. So for example, at Accountfully, we have uh, monthly, we bill our customers in about four different ways. Number one is monthly fixed fee, um, which essentially the invoice is due on the first of the month for the work that month. I set up the invoice to get sent out 10 days before. So on the 21st of the prior month, to the customer. So it gets in their bill pay process and then they can pay the bill and then it's automatically done and it's paid for typically before the first of the month. So just put it in there. It takes two seconds to create a recurring invoice, send it to the customer, you know, boom, goes right into there. So that's number one. The other ways that, you know, we make money, um, you know, random hourly services or, you know, periodic invoicing. Well, you just need to get a schedule set up in place. Um, for example, we do the 15th and last day of the month. We're on the 16th of the month. You run the report to get the invoices out. Like, you know, it's all about there's certain variability in invoicing that's going to exist. It's more about getting on your schedule, getting your to-do list, whether you use Asana or whatever project management tool, whatever task tool, and just get done and do it and, and don't procrastinate because the longer you procrastinate, 
longer it takes to do it and everything um, that comes into play there. So I, I would say kind of those two things. And, and then there's, you know, let's say you track time in Harvest. Like you can actually invoice directly out of customers in Harvest for the hours or the time incurred. So you can really just have your team track time, review it, and then say create invoice and send it to your customers. And then they get that invoice. So leveraging the tools and the functionality that exists that makes sense for how you run your operation or your business and how you run the operation or your business with whether it's Harvest you know, teamwork, uh, Asana, whatever it is, like it doesn't matter as long as you're leveraging it and using it and your team's bought into it and it gives you the information you need to, then then just see if there's another functionality that could, they can streamline that invoicing process um, that, that comes into play there. Everybody's all, all, all very keen about dashboards and visualization, and I'm sure you guys deal with this in the marketing world and, you know, all that type of stuff, right? But like, you know, for example, QuickBooks Online, they have a cool little dashboard once you log in that's got like, you know, total invoices for the month, or you can change the date range, you know, open invoices, past due. So you can see in red, past due, click into it and be like, oh shit, these are past due or whatever. So you can kind of visualize and see where you're at. You can say month over month revenues versus expenses kind of at a high level. Their dashboard of functionality has some limitations to it. Reviewing the financial statements, typically it's done like in an Excel format, which isn't very fun to look at or understanding or you don't see trends. So we actually leverage a system called Fathom, that's a reporting and analytical dashboard that's much more visual. You can see trends. Um, you can compare key metrics and all that type of stuff. You can see, you know, gross margins, utilization, you know, gross profit for, uh, if you're uh, in contribution margin, if you're a business or excuse me, if you're a product-based business, et cetera. So, I mean, there's a million of those now. I mean, everybody's building dashboards and visualizations because that's how people learn and actually how people can make better decisions by seeing different colors and shapes and stuff. So, those are kind of the, the couple of things I would say around the invoicing and the visualization part. So it's, so it's funny. One of the tools that you didn't mention, at least from a business point of view, is the actual accountant. I know, you know, in, for everyone that knows, or for everyone that knows me, I, we use Accountfully. We use Brad and his company and, um, and they do some incredible work and we wanted to make sure that we brought him on the podcast. So when we're talking about like accountants specifically, one of the things we've been really impressed with accountfully was the the responsiveness and like the actual thought that was there. But can you kind of expand on what companies nowadays, like as a modern accountant accountancy or modern accountant should be doing or should be able to do for companies? Because I think that there are a lot that are very old school in their approach. Definitely. When we created Accountfully, like, I don't know, five, six years ago, like our point of when we created the model and the, and the brand, the company was like the anti-accounting firm, the anti-Johnson & Johnson, PLLC, suit and tie, <laughs> bean counter, you know, stereotype. Their revenues are derived from tax work and audits and basically completely non-value added activities to business owners. Who gives a shit what your tax is? Yeah, it's a requirement from the feds, but it doesn't help me do anything with business owner. Like I need to understand what my break-even point is. I need to understand what various things that come into play. I need to create better efficiencies in my accounting system so I can get quicker um, and more reactive, uh, you know, end of the month closes so I can see my numbers uh, where I'm at on a month over month basis to make better decisions from where it was five, 10 years ago is changed dramatically. And the couple of reasons for that are there is due to the, you know, just pure, like I keeps going back to software as a service uh, systems and, you know, the advent of more like this, you know, we're on a, uh, using zoom here and, you know, more, more businesses exist because it's easier to launch a business because if you have a computer and internet connection, you can literally run run a business. So more and more people are creating businesses and, a lot of them don't know anything about accounting, right? So mm -hmm. there is various, uh, you know, modern accountants that exist now that their core service is more 
operational and managerial accounting, like account flow, like our core services being your fully outsourced accounting department, where we're helping you do the bookkeeping and accounting tasks, but then providing that strategic expertise to help you grow your business in whatever way you want to grow your business. You may want to say, hey, I want to stay here. And my, my, I have a lifestyle business that you may want to say, hey, I want to grow 10 people next, you know, 12 months and then increase revenues, double revenues or whatever. Well, we can kind of help map that way and help you provide a, a financial roadmap of, of what that makes sense. A couple of things that come into play with that is, is, is the level of service that you're providing your clients and the responsiveness. Because, you know, there is this whole advent of AI and, you know, there's, there's automated bookkeeping companies like Bench or things like that. Yeah, you can leverage them and whatever, but they're much more reactive and there's always going to be this level of human interaction and decision-making that's going to exist. The numbers that come up when a question is asked by our clients like Remington or other clients we have, and they're like, what about, you know, hey, literally I just let go of an employee today, but I got this other guy, um, you know, ready to hire tomorrow just because I met him the other night, and but he's $30,000 more a year in salary. Can I afford this? Like just a random question that comes up, it's like, well, hey, that's a timely, you know, we need to help respond and have a quick call to you to talk about that because I can't wait till next month or whatever. And then we need to look at the numbers and say, hey, well, where are you at? What's your current overhead? What's your current revenues? Like, what do you got coming in the pipeline? You know, what other staffing do you have going on? Is there any other tweaks going on? Yeah, you can afford it. No, you can't afford it or whatever. You know, it, it, in summary, I, I think a lot of it is to be proactive as possible in terms of the finances that exist to give you the most timely and accurate data to um, make the best decisions as possible. And then that accountant or bookkeeper, you know, um, basically is there to help provide a good level of service that is sufficient for what you need to make better decisions at the end of the day. The goal is, is to kind of help you in that manner. So, you know, a client your size or a company of 15 people or 25 or 35 people, you don't really need a full-time CFO and accountant and spend 300 grand on that, you know, department. You can pay somebody five, six, seven grand a month for that and save a ton of costs, the same, you know, business model or the same, you know, uh, you know, value that a marketing company provides. Like, sure. You can outsource pretty much everything these days until advent of the electronic and technology that exists. It helps out, but it still goes back to human interaction relationships, providing the service, you know, that's required in that aspect because accounting isn't easy to understand. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative Website and Marketing Audits. So there's a lot of times people think about a shiny new website or they sign up for a marketing retainer um, with an agency without actually understanding where they are and where they should be going. So our audits demystify that process and set everyone up for success from the beginning. So if you're interested, check out impulsecreative.com and check out those audits. Yeah, I love me some audits, people. You know what else I love? I love charting the course for business owners, employees who are trying to get to that place that we all know, and that is the beach, the mecca of success. You know, we're talking about accounting here, and it's funny because the question is, who needs to be the captain of the ship? And Brad, as I listened to you answer the question previous, is it really depends. And I, I think there's two two directions that you might be able to go with this, maybe even more, is like, what does that, you started to talk about the CFO and the whole suite of people. What does that look like? Is that needed? Um, and when is it needed? In some cases, 50, 100, 300 employees. And then what you were just explaining and kind of what you do, like, can you, can you charter 
an accountant, right? Can you charter that ship, that boat to take you where you need to go on this side of it, depending if you're a smaller team or not? So, so really, who needs to be the captain of the ship when it comes to accounting, when it comes to knowing your numbers better and making smart decisions? Obviously, when you're a 15-person company, that's really easy. It's like the business owner. When you get up and, and as you move forward and 30, 40, 50 people, then you may have departmental leads or things like that that come into play that you know, we may work more directly with. And then obviously you still report up to the, maybe a CFO or a CEO, but still, it still goes back to the owner of the business or with CEO of the business or whatever it's at. But I mean, in terms of a smaller company, say below 20 or 30 people, we work with business owners directly. Every client that we have, like our monthly meetings are with the business owner or, you know, obviously one of the operating partners, if, if, if it's a partnership, I don't think we have any meetings where literally we'd be talking with some random employee that it just wouldn't make any sense because number one, the information we're given is pretty sensitive. It could have, you know, employee data and salaries and, oh my God, the owner's making that much money. Holy shit. Well, you know, I need a pay raise. Like, so there, you know, the sensitivity exists. So th- at the end of the day, the business owner needs to be charting the course for that. You know, and, and literally, if they, they're the ones that are going to either make the successful engagement or relationship with, with their accountant, if, if they're actually engaged and, and proactive and responsive, um, you know, some of our clients, we don't have a great, we're not providing great service to them. You know why? Because it's just a lack of communication, a lack of, you know, responsiveness from the, yeah. And you know, you guys know how it is from, you know, a marketing company with your clients. Sometimes you don't get, you know, you, Hey, I need your edits back in order for this or that. And they just don't engage and you're just like, you, you feel email me, email me like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, you know, but you're like, it's not our fault that this isn't working as good as it can. Putting those expectations up front help, but if the business owner isn't involved and engaged, then it's kind of a waste of time at the end of the day, a lot lot of times from a, you know, level of service in terms of what you need, the level of accountant, you know, different things like that. Like once again, between 20 and 30 people an outsourced firm like us that, you know, and an engagement with, you know, impulse creative where we have, 70% 70% of the works, 70, 75% of the works, like more bookkeeping, execution, staff, account level, right? It's just paying the bills, processing payroll, updating the books, yada, yada, yada. 20, 15 to 20% is more of a senior accountant kind of controller level where you're, you know, providing some higher level support, closing out the books monthly, running the reports, you know, um, handling some of the some of the complex questions that come from a client. And another five or ten percent is more of the CFO or manager levels, like where I kind of reside, where it's much more advisory, high level, strategic, as well as some more random, complex situ- situations that come into play along the way that you know the team can't handle. So as a client grows from two million dollars in revenue to five, the level of advisory service you know increases increase. probably two or three times because they need you know more budgets, they need departmental budgets, they need to understand it because literally you know, your fixed costs are 250 grand a month. So, you know, or whatever. So you have to like understand what's going on in terms of, do we have enough cash? Where is that? So there's a lot more of that type of work that comes into play. So just understanding what you need up front and a lot of, you know, smaller clients or a lot of service-based companies, you know, like that are on retainers or have a couple clients that are, you know, two, three clients that are based on other billing a month. They don't need a high level advisory service company. Like it's like, Hey, you just need to understand your numbers get some execution and bookkeeping in place, close up the books and understand it. There is a level of misconception. Sometimes people are like, I want to hire a CFO or do this. And it's like, you, like I'll be like, you don't need that. Like your business <laughs> plug and play. It's pretty easy. 
um, and stuff like that. But as you kind of keep growing up to 10, 15, 20 people, there's a lot more complexity that comes into place. When we're talking about, you know, the captain of the ship really needs to be like the C-suite or the managerial people that are trying to keep track of what's going on in the operations of the business. What about some symptoms that really start to show if you don't know your numbers? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Like what some struggles could be? The number one thing, I guess, is probably that, that can that's not easily identifiable mm-hmm. is pricing from a product-based company you know you're you're manufacturing the product you're selling a product you need to understand the cost of that product as well as the cost to fulfill and get that product to the customer and any other direct expenses that exist right so understanding that and then saying how much money do I have left over to cover overhead from a service you know so that's number one you know for example we have a lot of inventory based clients sell on Amazon let's say so they sell on Amazon FBA which is fulfilled by Amazon so it's basically like drop on all their your inventory out of their warehouse and then somebody goes on Amazon buys your product on Prime gets it shipped or whatever and Amazon you know pays you twice but twice a month takes a bunch of fees out if you're not accounting for the cost of the product and the cost of your fulfillment fees, any advertising you're doing on this site, anything like that, and you're not accounting for or looking at it properly, and you could be literally like making nothing on Amazon, even though your your revenues keep going up, but it's like, hey, you're losing money because you're not properly understanding that. Service side, if you're you know a monthly retainer for a service-based company, $2,000, $3,000 a month retainer on marketing, well, at the end of the day, you need to understand how much time is being spent on your, by your team because otherwise you're not properly utilizing them. So if it's right. taking 60 hours to do the work, I doubt, you know, a, a great designer like George would be billing at $50 an hour. I'm just throwing it out there. But like, you know, if, if he isn't or if that's not right, then you need to adjust the pricing or change the level of service. So I think right. that's the hardest one to really look at and understand. I mean, people go ahead and like, oh, this is how many expenses I brought in. This is the owner, you know, the, the amount that I brought in. It, uh, I made X number of dollars a month. The other thing I guess I would say is, you know, looking at your cash flow, right? Yep. Once again, if your accounts receivable keeps increasing and you're not collecting on invoices and not um, doing that, that could really screw you. Especially if you have a big client that literally just isn't paying you and they're maybe your largest client. Well, then you have to pay your employees, pay your rent and still. So you need to make sure that that's kind of comes into play there. And then I would, the other thing I would say, just some dramatic increases in kind of operating expenses, right? And month over month, most businesses are pretty steady, you know, like mm-hmm. a couple grand here and there, up and down and explainable. There's certain months you may have trade shows or things that are more, you know, variable at times, but all of a sudden things just start creeping up and up and up. Your meals and entertainment goes up, office supplies goes up and just random stuff. Well, by looking at that, at the end of the day, each line item by itself doesn't probably mean much. But when you add them up, the difference of like, wow, there's no control going on here, that could <laughs> add up and really jeopardize you, especially a lot of that stuff really is non-value added items you know, for your business. It's really just keeping the lights on. And so I think that those are probably a couple of good ones to kind of check out. Brad, it's interesting because as, as I'm listening to you talk, I can almost feel my mind being like bent uh, <laughs> in, into like a different direction of thinking, which is really interesting to me because like typically at this point we would ask folks, so where, you know, where should they be going? Where should these be companies be navigating with accounting and knowing their numbers? And I'm like leaning into the fact of like, is there a magical, and of course not magical as in unicorns and like wands, but like a, is there a happy mix of like percentage rates or things that you can kind of map out uh, when it comes to like, look, you're, you know, if, if, 
your product it costs this to make. You want to get X percentage of over that. And, and uh, if employees cost this much, then you need to calculate this number to figure that out. Like, is there, is there a, maybe a web that can be woven here so that people will start to understand how these numbers connect with each other? And if you, if you move one, right, it moves three other ones down the chain or to the left or to the right. Uh, what is that? I know that's a really weird question, but what does that look like? Is there something that we should be paying attention there as we're moving forward and paying attention to these numbers and how they work together? Yeah, I would say a, a couple of thoughts on that because the first thought is having specific numbers that, you know, hey, your company should be 25% uh, expenses, operating expenses or overhead or, or facilities and rent and utilities as a percentage of revenue. Let's just say like that's a number that's been thrown out there, right? You have to be careful because we have clients that are low revenue companies that have raised $2 million in cash. So, but they have, you know, three, four people, five people, they have, you know, they've hired account fully, they have legal paper, you know, legal expenses, et cetera. Leveraging that percentage of revenue, which is lower and it's going to grow, they're really in scale up mode isn't a way to look at it, right? For that business, you basically need to leverage a kind of a, a 12, 24 month forecast. How many months on hand do I of cash do, do I have on hand and things like that, right? A steady state business that's much more recurring in nature and understanding. Yeah, that's where you can easily much more see metrics and, and percentages in place. Most service-based businesses, what you really want to kind of target is probably got 20% EBITDA, so earnings before you know, interest and tax impact and things like that is, is kind of a good target to look at. So that's profit, but you still, as part of that profit, have to pay taxes on, on that profit. That's kind of a metric to look at, you know, like there's uh, typically on a pricing model or things like that, like, you know, for service-based companies, you know, like your pricing, and this is pretty complex, but your pricing should be your kind of your, your, your fully burdened labor cost. Uh, adjusted for expected utilization or expected billable hours. And then you need to increase it by your overhead per billable hour. And then you need to add a margin on top of that. Just understanding the different factors that come into play to understand where you want to go. So your margin, so let's say, for example, Impulse Creative has a highly um, value-added system or project or, 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 or something that they, they implement for their clients that is, is not a commodity so they can charge a high-value dollar amount on it. Well, guess what? That 25% margin or whatever number you, I want to target doesn't apply because what does the market say? The market says I can sell it for 10 grand. Well, if I need, if I can, I can make it for a thousand bucks, then sell it for 10 grand, right? So I, I wish a lot of people are like, give me the number, give me this, give me that. It's just so hard because everybody's business is different. For example, you know, an example is like, again, a service-based company where some owners of the business are the highest producers from a client billable standpoint in that business. Some owners of the business are not client billable. Their sales are kind of just behind the scenes. It's hard if they're both making 150 grand a salary because then you're like, wait, this one's actually producing, this one's not. And I'm not saying either one's wrong. Like it's just right. you need to understand of the whole point of what's going on. At the end of the day, like I think, you know, leveraging like an accountant, uh, having numbers accurate and up to date and be able to review those and then looking at where you're at currently and saying, hey, where do I want to go? And just benchmarking and baselining and then doing some tweaks here and there can just help you understand percentages. I'm not going to throw out a percentage because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this percentage, yeah, but here's the disclaimers. If you're not doing this, if you're not doing this, if you're not doing this. 
right. end of the day, you want to be profitable. So it, you, you have to kind of vary it by what's going on with your business. So what I'm hearing you say there is know what, know what your bottom line number is based on like, what is your break even? Because that can give you perspective to charge extra. Like if you know your cost on that commodity is a thousand bucks, but the, the fair market value of that is $10,000, then know that you can't give that away for less than a thousand bucks. Like giving it away actually costs you a thousand bucks in that, in that case. So I think that that, you know, to kind of bring that back to what you were saying, George, is just making sure that you understand what that cost is. And then the profits are easy to decide. Um, based on what you sell it for. You know, one other thing is understand that that cost, you know, yes, revenues coming in are great, right? Money, oh, it's coming in, coming in, coming in. But you have to understand if it's not profitable money, then it yeah. becomes an opportunity cost, right? So if you're spending $1,000 on this product and all of a sudden, but you're not making money on that specific client or project or whatever, well, that $1,000 of labor or whatever it is could be used somewhere else, right? Same thing mm-hmm. on, you know, selling a product, selling a t-shirt well, money's coming in. Yeah. But if you're not making any money on it, that thousand dollars in cash you use to buy those t-shirts can be used somewhere else in the business or for a more profitable product. So understanding it's not always good money, but understanding, you know, where at least your minimum is to break even and say, yeah, that's okay. I'm fine. Or I need to tweak. I need to raise prices or I just need to get rid of it. It really helps out. That's awesome. So as we go into people that are having the the aha moments right now going, holy crap, I don't know what my, my adjusted billable hours should be or like what my cost is per billable hour. What are two to three things they can execute today around kind of knowing their numbers and what are some things that they should look for to start this journey towards understanding things a little bit more? Kind of the first thing is, is really reassess yourself in terms of, do I need to hire or begin a relationship with an accountant or somebody like accountfully to help me out with this process is number one. A lot of people are business savvy and can do it and figure it out. Some people aren't. Some people are business savvy, but they have zero time to do it. So understanding like you're more important selling or creating websites than doing accounting. So number one, I think really just look at your current situation and be honest about yourself and then start, you know, finding somebody. And then number two is part of that, the person you want to look for, don't nickel and dime them. Understand the whole level of service that's provided. They're providing some sort of value that's coming into play and it's going to help you, your business run better. I think that kind of those are the first couple of things. The next one is depending upon your, your, your level of business or how big your business is, is just make sure that you're accounting for your business expenses properly, making sure you know where they're at, you know, leveraging a system like a QuickBooks is great. Some people just literally like, Hey, I got all in Excel. Well, guess what? If that works for you. Awesome. Cool. It's not scalable, but at a minimum, if you're handling that awesome, kind of the other thing to kind of know your numbers obviously would be understanding your expenses, understanding your break even point, you know, of, of where you're at in that. Once again, leveraging a QuickBooks, you know, even exporting the, go to your, go to IMAX, go to Bank of America, whatever your website or whatever credit card you use, export to Excel and at a minimum, you can categorize them. Like just understand what your break even is and, and understand what you need. Some business owners that we work with, you know, our husband, wife, couples, they have kids and they have obviously, you know, and they rely 100% on the business. Well, then you need to understand what is my break even to make this all work. And then you need to factor in and back backload that way, right? And, and understand that, hey, I may not be able to hire anybody for a while because I got to make this thing work. Otherwise, like this isn't working for us. So I, I think pure identification and self-assessment and like is the first couple of tools. And then from there, then you can begin. If you want to, you know, look at tools, great. You know, from a service-based company, I think time tracking is super easy to implement. Like that, that, that doesn't take rocket science. You know, implementing an accounting system is much more uh, intense, I think, than that in terms of doing it right. But, but you know, I don't want you to waste your time if, if, if you're not good at it. Like, 
be like, hey, a company needs a new website. Okay, well, I'm going to go research WordPress and do it myself. It just doesn't make any sense. Hire somebody good. They can do it much quicker and much better, you know, for you. I, th- I think those are the kind of two things. Oh, the last thing I'll say is anything you do do and you look at, do two things. Do it like weekly, right? Like every Friday, put in your calendar from two to four, I'm doing a county related task or whatever it is. Because otherwise, when you get behind, the project becomes much bigger and you quit doing it. And number two is whatever reports you're doing, whatever you're, or whatever you're doing weekly or whatever, review the data and don't just, you know, and, and try to make decisions based upon that data. There's a lot of people that literally we do the work for them and they don't review anything. And it's just like, well, that was a waste of time, you know? So sure. what you're doing is look at it and try to learn from it. Um, and, and try, you know, cause as you guys know, if you guys do an audit on a website, you don't look at it. What the hell is the report good for? It just doesn't right. matter. Right. So I'm trying to take some pointers from that. Yeah, I like those weekly things. You know, we got a weekly thing too. It's our weekly show notes and our deep dive newsletter. You need to make sure you go over to wayfindinggrowth.com. Go ahead and fill out that little form. We don't ask a lot of you and we give you a ton of value. We're going to send those show notes so you can get links to all the tools. You can get what is deep in the minds of Remington and myself, which might be scary sometimes, but usually (laughs) it's pretty useful for your business. and. Remington, what is our next section? So, George, I think this is your favorite section. It, Do you know what that really, section is? It is. It it's is. the Captain Killing It. There you go. I didn't go. do it as well as George does, but yeah. the Captain Killing It. There you go. George has the, the, the voice for that. Oh, he's yeah, he really does. Like, Captain Killing It. Well, see, it's it, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And Come on, listeners, do it. Viewers, do it. You, you can you can just <laughs> hang with us for a second because it comes it comes from down here, right? It's it's and and you got to bring in the energy, like you know, and then it's like, and so it's time for Captain killing it. Like you really got to get into like the body, you know. You've, you all of you who are listening have no clue what people are. We're like dancing on screen, yeah. <laughs> But it is All time right. for Captain Killing. So let's talk about like the one person that is navigating this week's dangerous seas of social media or in their business, and they are absolutely killing it. From my perspective, if you guys want me to answer this question, yeah. which is interesting because obviously I would say the Wayfinding Podcast is killing it, uh, <laughs> as well as Impulse Creative. But you know, it, it, it's hard from. It's interesting when you look at our like specific clients and all of the ones that we have, it is funny that what I will say is, is that it's tough to be a small business owner and it's mm-hmm. tough to grow a business no matter what it is. And that's just pure execution and not even withstanding the requirements from regulations from IRS, from the government, from a local business license and all that type of stuff. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, from a killing it standpoint, what I would say is that anybody that literally goes into business and wants to figure it out and tries to figure it out and tries their hardest to figure it out and, and leverages uh, experts and resources to try to figure it out and give it their, you know, their all. And if they don't, then whatever, then they move on, you know, um, specifically with, you know, some of my clients or a couple clients of ours that are really crushing it is a head high media. Um, it's a video production company up in Charleston. They've actually been a client of ours for like five years. And we actually used to sublease our first office there um, from them. And um, Tim McManus, the owner of that, he does fantastic work. Mented Cosmetics, it's a, uh, like a lipstick company. They sell lipstick based out of New York City. They're like, when we originally got that, we, um, client about a half year, like they're, they're doing great and growing. Um, we have a ton of other clients that's raising a ton of money and, and, and growing that aspect. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to see 
all the clients and the growth that, or, or what they want to do and, and if they can handle it and their different expectations, experiences, you know, from whether it's cash flow issues or just sales issues or, you know, overhead issues or they had partner issues where they bought out, had to buy out a partner and it took a ton of money out because that partner, you know, sucked or did whatever that they had to. You know, one other client locally in Charleston we brought on recently is Nectar Sunglasses. They're doing fantastic and then we're excited to have them on board. So, I mean, those, those are a couple of them that, that we have. And I mean, um, it's, it's super cool to kind of be engaged with clients and small business clients. Cause one, I, I can understand and empathize with them because I'm a business owner myself. So a lot of the stuff that they're going through, one, I learn from them. So accountfully makes less mistakes. They make mistakes, <laughs> less mistakes because we're like learning from all our business owners. You know, I, I, I think I would say that, you know, like I, without kind of getting too in detail on some stuff, but it's just, it's hard. And, you know, uh, just giving your all and rolling forward and understanding that you can make uh, mistakes along the way. And, but Hey, um, a lot of times you can correct them. So definitely. And, and here's the thing. We will link uh, some of those captain killing it uh, folks in the show notes. So if you want to check out their websites or check out, I mean, maybe you need some new lipstick people. I don't know. I don't know how you roll, but or sunglasses. Those, I don't know or sunglasses. Any, yeah. I sunglasses. I don't know if they have any orange lipstick though. Oh yeah. I don't need orange lipstick. It's over, guys. Here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing though too. I do want to throw this out here because this is the first and maybe the only podcast that we'll do that we have mentioned the dirty words that are IRS, right? Yeah. And uh, I just want to say that maybe they're this week's captain killing it because, you know, if they weren't around, a lot more businesses could be profitable. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Speaking of which, since we're talking about the IRS and the Bermuda Triangle, ooh, Illuminati confirmed. Let's go ahead and jump into those. And Brad, here's the thing. What makes this impossible or seem, because we all know it's not impossible, like nothing is impossible. You just got to work really hard and keep at it. But what makes this seem impossible to most companies where they're just like, I don't know how to pay attention to my numbers. I, I don't know how to make smart decisions based on these things. I don't understand this web that is tangled through this accounting world that people live in. Short answer on this, I think it kind of summarizes a lot of what we chatted about is one, finding good advisors to help you out. Um, number two, you know, reviewing data, reviewing reports, um, um, kind of consistently try to learn from them, tweak them a little bit. If, if, if you, if it doesn't make sense to you, sometimes I, uh, you know, best practices in terms of, you know, uh, chart of accounts is this or that, but maybe for you, it's a little bit different the way your mind works at a minimum. If you're getting out of it and you're making learning from it, then who cares? Right? Like it doesn't matter what I say. Um, and then the last thing is, is periodic, you know, do things consistently every Friday, every Tuesday, Tuesdays and Fridays, whatever it is, it helps out. You know, I, I think that that's kind of a, a big takeaway from all kind of podcasts of just, if you want to be good at something, you want to learn something, you need to do it constantly like read every day, you know, review something every day or whatever it is, listen to a great podcast every day, learn something. So uh, that, that kind of applies to accounting. And I understand it's hard because it's sensitive data. It's, it's money. We have a huge emotional issue with that from just a lot of, you know, money requires us, or we require money to live basically. Um, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but just kind of letting go and just understanding it and asking for help when needed. And, and then just taking ownership that, Hey, you, the business owner, it's on you to figure it out. Like nobody cares. Everybody's got their shit going on in their own life and they're not going to worry about you. So you need to be proactive in terms of that. So when do people start getting kind of hung up or start to fail, to start to fail when trying to know their numbers? Like what are some specific things that you've seen where people maybe attempt to start to know their numbers, but they, they kind of, you know, just flops? I would say, um, when, 
it's outside of their level of uh, competence and I'm not trying to okay. be within accounting, right? Like just don't try too hard if, if, if you can't do it. You don't need to get a, an advisor accountant on deck monthly for a thousand bucks a month. You can say, hey, can you come here and just do a gut check, a little discovery, a couple hours to make sure I'm doing things right. Is it okay? What's going on? You know, another thing is if you're, you know, leveraging a system like QuickBooks or Zero, they have code built in that adds things up right, that balances right. Well, if you're doing stuff in an Excel spreadsheet and you literally mess up a formula or something, it can throw <laughs> everything off and then you could be looking at bad data. So just understand there's a level of kind of control that comes into play there. See trends, try to look at some trends, see what's going on. Um, make sure your pricing, you know, your, your, once again, it goes up to pricing, make sure your pricing is right and accurate and, um, and then just get an extra set of eyes if needed. I love how gingerly you are trying to put the fact of like, well, you know, if you're not that smart when it comes to, <laughs> because I was like thinking, well, I'm not trying to design any nuclear missiles tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to go do brain surgery on somebody's wife. Um, so if you know that accounting is not your thing, then tap out, focus on your strengths. Let somebody else handle your weaknesses. That might be the bonus tip of this episode. Just saying. Well, yeah. It, let's say you're like a three person company, right? And you're just literally out designing brands and websites. And what you're looking at needed, we're going to be doing all your books, closing out your numbers, and we're going to have quarterly financial meetings, let's say. That could be like 500, 750 bucks a month. If you didn't waste five hours a month doing that and you hired an account, a professional to do that, what's your billable rate or what can you go out to another project? People don't understand their opportunity cost that comes into play a lot of times because they just look at outflows because it is a lot going on with running a business. But understanding that if I didn't do this five hours, number one, I could probably make better decisions, which probably would save me money anyways. But number two, understanding that, um, you know, you could probably go up and make that money up just like that anyways and doing something that can actually grow the top line of your business versus, you know, help the under, under, underlying um, expenses and stuff. Brad, this has been super interesting and I have learned a ton. By the way, you use combinations of words that I have <laughs> never heard in my lifetime. I'm just going to throw that out there. And there here's the thing. If people like me, I, I can say this in this one. If people like me have more questions, if they realize I shouldn't be spending that five or 10 hours and jacking up my Excel spreadsheet because I don't even know like if that C minus plus M2 is doing what it's supposed to do in my spreadsheet, don't try that, people. I, that may explode your Excel spreadsheet. I don't even know what those numbers do. But if people want to reach out to you, if they have questions, where is it that you want to send them, Brad? I guess come to our website, accountfully.com, A-C-C-O-U-N-T-F-U-L-L-Y.com, like fully accounting account fully.com. That's a good place to um, go. We have a getting started form on our site that you can fill out that comes into, you know, our, uh, uh, our intake um, or emails and then we'll follow up and set up a call or you can email me directly at brad at accountfully.com. We have a lot of great blogs and literature and, and content on our site around inventory around some digital agency stuff and things like that, that may be some good kind of things to look at. We also have great social media, um, cool little Instagram following for an accountant um, or accounting firm, I think. Um, and we'll keep kind of try to grow the old uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn kind of uh, kind of space. So all those, 
it's, you know, Instagram.com slash accountfully, Facebook.com slash accountfully. I'm sure you can find them all. I'm sure they can. Second bonus tip for this episode, an accountant led with Instagram. Just throwing that out there. Hey, guests, I want to thank you for watching this show. I want to thank you, Brad, for being on the show. Listeners, you know you know where to find all of our socials. Again, your engagement, your listenership, we very, very much value it. Remember, you can reach out to us, WG at Impulse Creative. If you have topics that you want us to cover, look, we're here to try to navigate your business to a level of success. Remember, if you are listening to this on your favorite podcast app, head over to iTunes. And I'm not saying that iTunes isn't your favorite podcast app, but head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review five stars. Some nice words would be nice. If you're watching this on YouTube, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell for instant notifications. And until next time, folks, may you leave the dock of mediocrity and set sail into the sunset of your success.